Well, hello, hello. Welcome to TAO Intentions Podcast. Our guest this evening is Vicky from Her Food Channel. Welcome to TAO Intentions Podcast, Vicky. Hi, Orchid. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me on your podcast, by the way. You're most welcome, and I'm sure the audience will love you. <laughs> oh, I hope so, too. Um, I can be uh, very social and uh, chatterbox, so I hope they do like me and uh, what we're going to talk about today. Of course, they're going to love it. So I would like for you to tell the audience your full name, please. Okay, so here we go. My full name is Vitahi Uthaya Kumar. I hope that was in a tongue twister. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> That's why I asked you to say it, because if I did it, I would have torched your name, and I refuse to do that to you. It's just not fair. <laughs> yeah, most people um, confuse my name from the way it's spelled versus the way it's supposed to be pronounced. Um, in my name, I have, a, I have double THs, so V-I-T-H-T-H, and then at the end, it's A-K-I, so... When you read it in English, you think it's Vithaki, right? But the K and I is actually silent, so it's pronounced Vithahi. And then my last name, of course, Uteya Kumar. Um, yeah, that's my full name. <laughs> well, it is a beautiful full name. I just wish that uh, I knew how to pronounce it or if it didn't make me nervous when I pronounce it. Because again, if I torture your name... I am so sorry. So we're just going to stick to the podcast episode with me calling you Vicky. That's completely fine. And in fact, most people know me as Vicky. So you're all good. Okay, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's begin. Tell me about yourself, your background and where your family are from. Okay, so here we go. So as I said in the beginning, my name is Vittahi Uday Kumar, but most people know me and refer to me as Vicky. I am a Tamil Sri Lankan. I was born in Sri Lanka and my family and I immigrated to Canada in 2001. To be exact, my father actually came to Canada in the late 1990s and then my mom, sister and I, we immigrated to Canada in 2001 and then my brother was born in Canada. Um, And I was about three years old when I came to Canada. So yes, most of my upbringing is in Canada. Uh, Even though I'm a Tamil Sri Lankan, I wasn't raised in Sri Lanka. I came here at a fairly young age and I've been here for a very, very long time. And I was raised in, um, among the Canadian culture, right? So I've done my schooling here. I've worked here. um, I've engaged in various activities here in Canada. And that made me to the person I am today. Uh, I have a passion for human rights and I strongly believe that everyone is entitled to have equal rights and privileges. Um, And I know that's not the case most of the time, but I try my best to the best of my abilities to stand up for my rights and to help others stand up for their rights as well. And um, I enjoy cooking, uh, various forms of entertainment like music, singing. Um, I love dancing, playing sports. So yeah, that's me. (laughs) You are the cutest thing. No, you don't, I don't know if I'm the cutest thing because there's a side of me that's not so cute. It's your personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Your personality just shines. That's that's just something <laughs> I, I will always remember about you. Oh, thanks, Orkin. That's <laughs> so sweet of you to say. No problem. 
What was your first impression of Canada and what did you love about moving here? So before I go into my first impression of Canada, um, one of the things that people have told me personally, whether that is that that's my cousins from back home or people that first immigrated here um, or people that I grew up around, they always say and they associate Canada um, as the land of wealth. And a lot of the times I've heard Canada is a free country. Oh, it's a free country. You live in Canada, it's a free country. Oh, you must have so much freedom. You must be so free to do whatever you want. And I think as a young child, I probably wasn't exposed to all of this. And I'm probably sure if anyone told me as a three-year-old that, you know, you're going to a land where there's a lot of freedom, I probably was like, huh, what do you mean, right? I wouldn't know. But I'm sure my parents, um, they knew. They knew a lot about Canada and um, they, they chose to come to Canada for a better future. But my first impression of Canada was not a land of freedom, was not like, oh, it's the land of wealth, because I was very young, right? I wouldn't know. But I remember being on the flight, coming from Sri Lanka to Canada, and uh, the flight attendant serving us food. And it wasn't rice and curry. It wasn't the rice and spicy curry that I normally eat in the village. It was like Canadian food. And I remember sitting there crying and vomiting because I could, like the food wasn't like, you know, getting, I wasn't used to it, right? I, I was so used to eating so much rice and curries from breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that's what <laughs> I'm exposed to, I was exposed to, and now I'm sitting here on a flight having to eat, like, burgers. I'm like, what's this, right? And I'm crying on top of that, I'm vomiting. So my first impression was, like, I'm going to a place where there's not going to be any rice and curry. I'm going to be losing my rice and curry. <laughs> there's no rice and curry in Canada. What am I going to do? That's, you know, that was my perception as a child because I was so exposed to rice and curry. Um, and, of course, now it's that's not my impression of Canada. I have a whole different perception. But, yeah, that was my first impression. No rice and curry in Canada. <laughs> Okay, what is your perception now of Canada, now that you've lived here for years? Oh my goodness, I I don't even know where to begin. I love, love Canada. And I think one of my strongest perceptions and my strongest, um, how do I phrase this? What I really love about Canada is that, you know, it it's a place where I can practice and still balance my traditional lifestyle along with having an independent life. I think Canada is such an amazing country to live in where you have that freedom to practice your cultural beliefs and practices, yet still be able to have an education, still be able to um, access or have support systems, to have access to uh, having a workplace or having an and employment, having those essential things in life. And one of the things that I learned in Canada is that, you know, as a female, you can also have education, you can also work, you can live an independent life, you know. Uh, coming from a culture where patriarchy is the norm and women are uh, viewed as uh, people who are supposed to be obedient, people who are supposed to um, obey all the time, people who do not 
and cannot go to work. That's how women are portrayed. And here in Canada, me having that access to be able to go to work, to be able to live independently, to be able to finance and say what I want to spend my money on is so powerful that I love I love Canada. You know, I love that aspect of Canada and still be able to if there's a festival, still be able to partake in it and be, you know, share my traditions with it too. That's beautiful. I must say my first impression of Canada was just strictly that it's there's a lot of snow. That's that's that was my first impression. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know anything else about Canada except for it was snow and that some of the yeah. people spoke French. Yeah. Um yeah, the snow is pretty um how do I phrase this? It's very uh it's like a roller coaster in Canada. Some people love it, some people don't love it, you know. There are people who say, I love the snow, I wish it was snowing all year. And there are people who say, are you crazy? I wish it was like sunny and hot and, you know, beach type of vibes all year. Yeah, the people who said snowing all year, they're crazy. (laughs) I, I, um, I personally am not a big fan of snow, but there are days where, you know, I feel like I would want to build a snowman and even though I don't know how to skate, I still want to go and skate and yeah. <laughs> you don't know how to skate too? I haven't done it. Well, actually, no, I tried it. I went to the Rideau Canal like years ago and all these girls were like, no, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And I went, oh, okay. And then I went there and I rented some skates and I looked at the 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 the, the ice and it kind of wasn't what I imagined it would have been because you know when you're growing up and you're watching all these movies that you know they might be american movies uh but they're trying to portray that you know they're they're from canada Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it was like mighty ducks was the first one i saw when (laughs) they're skating on snow and what was it he this this the ice looks so smooth it looked nice yeah. and smooth, and then I go to Rito, and it's all bumpy and, and all that kind of stuff, and the only thing I kept picturing when I'm putting my skates on is me falling and breaking my neck or my back, and I become paralyzed. So I think I, I yeah. took like three steps forward, and I just glided once, and then I hit a bump, and I tried it again, and I hit another bump because they're so close together, and I went, nope, I give up. I'm done. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. what? You didn't even start. And I went, no, no, I am not dying here today. that's funny that you say that because yeah I my first experience um, skating was back in Toronto so um, when my family first immigrated here to Canada I was raised in Toronto before moving to Ottawa so my skating experience in Toronto um, near Eaton Centre was was very interesting because I went thinking oh yeah I don't know how to skate but I'll figure it out I'll I rented skate skates for about like $40 and just like you I would slide and then I fall and then I get up I slide and then I fall on my back and then I get up and slide I fall to the side I fall everywhere I think I bruised myself more than skating and that was it after that I don't think I ever wanted to go skating again and if even if I did I probably second I was the second thinking it like are you sure you want to do this or you sure you want to bruise yourself again (laughs) the fear (laughs) The fear. Have you ever rollerblade though? No, I haven't rollerbladed. Okay, either. that's why. I don't. I don't think I want to do that. I mean, I don't mind giving it a try. I do like taking risks, but um, 
I'll probably give it a lot of thought before trying to roll over the blade. Okay, because I think if you had experience rollerblading, it might be a bit easier for you to skate. Where I learned how to roll a blade when I was in Jamaica, and I yeah. loved it. And I roll a blade when I came here, but when it comes to ice, all I see again is a broken neck. So <laughs> I still, I feel like if I'm going to go skating, it needs to be one of those professional skating rings where it's super smooth and there's no bumps, mm-hmm. like huge bumps for me to trip and fall and slide. I know that people find it romantic. It's like, oh, I'm falling. And you have your man there and he's like, I'm going to hold you up. It's, it's not, no, no, that's oh, not romantic to me. Oh, no, thanks. You pro- yeah, you'll probably fall and then make your man fall as well. Exactly. And what if he squishes me while I'm on the floor? You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Next yeah, thing yeah, you know, yeah. he yeah. broke a hip. No, thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Tell me a little bit about your culture and what you love about it. So my culture, the Sri Lankan Tamil culture is big. It's big. And when I mean big, I mean big in terms of family. Um, we're very or family oriented. Um, it's common for a typical Tamil Sri Lankan family back in Sri Lanka um, to have many children and to have uh, their in-laws and extended families living together in one house. Um, my mom, for, for example, she has eight siblings and including her, that's nine children. My grandma from my mom's side had. And my dad, he has five siblings. So him included is six children and so i have a lot of first cousins and um the you know the tamil sri lankan culture encourages family orientation when we go somewhere we go with not just your intimate family you go with a lot of your extended family you have a gathering a social gathering trust me just inviting your extended family or your family that you're close with man it's going to be about 400 and 500 people um, and then then you have to decide on how many co-workers you want to invite how many friends you want to invite um, and i read a quote once and i heard a quote once it's an african quote and it says it said something along the lines of that it takes a village to raise a child and that really resonated with me because it really does take a lot of people to raise a child when a child is born and to help the mother heal and get back on track and um, in my culture we're very family oriented in that sense that we're always together we're always like you know what do you want what what can we do today and what are the plans for the weekend it's always family family and if there's something someone is struggling with in the family or one particular family member is going through that we have a lot of support there's a big support system standing behind them ready to catch them when they fall and help them and like i said traditional weddings and ceremonies are big because we have a lot of family there so i really love that it's very family oriented and helps you develop that social connection and your social bonding at a young age um, and in social sciences we study that your primary social agents is your family and to have a big family around you and growing up it teaches you a lot of things and helps you yeah it helps you pick up traits like um, you know sharing as a child growing up or um, being compatible around different types of people you become a people's person when you're surrounded with a bunch of family even though they're the same blood or have the same bloodline uh, it teaches you to become 
a stronger individual. So yeah, I love the fact that the Tamil Sri Lankan society is very family oriented. Wonderful. Well, I know you're from Sri Lanka, as you mentioned mm-hmm. a few times. Um, I think one of the things I like about your culture is how colorful your clothing are and <laughs> the jewelry you. that you guys wear, lots of yes. gold. I think yes. I also appreciate the way that you guys do your makeup. Oh, thank you so much. Like your culture is just so happy to live life, <laughs> if that makes any sense. It does make sense. And I... I do agree with you, Orchid. For example, in my family, and when I mean my family, I mean my intimate family here in Canada. Like my, I have friends who are from a different culture, a different ethnicity, come into my house. My mom and dad treat them like as if they're from our society or as if they are their own children. I have many friends who tell me, and in fact, one of my friends recently told me not too long ago, she referred to my family as her third family. Um, her first family is obviously her intimate family. Her second family is, you know, her extended family. And then her third form of family is, she said, it's your family, Vicky. And I was kind of shocked because she's not from the same background as me. She's not from the same, you know, tribe or village. Not that it really matters nowadays, but she referred to my family as her third family. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And she's like, yeah, because your mom cares for me. If I'm at your place, your mom takes care of me like her own child. You know, your dad is a jokester. He makes me feel so comfortable. Your family makes me feel like I'm at home. I don't have to act like or portray myself like I'm somewhere else at a third person's house. And um, I'm very grateful for the fact that my parents make my friends and whoever else comes into my house feel that way. Um, So yeah, I do agree with you, our kid. Okay. Looking back, what has been your fondest memory from back home? Okay, so I actually cannot say I have one fondest memory. I have actually two. Um, And these two memories, I don't remember too much of the details because obviously going back home, uh, going back in the day, like I said, I was very young. I was born there, but since I came here at the age of three, I was very young back in Sri Lanka. But the first fondest memory I have um, is the memory of my mom rescuing me from this uh how do i phrase this this conflict so back in sri lanka sri lanka has had a war and has had many conflicts between the two ethnicities there the tamil people and the Sinhalese people and the tamil people have been and have continued to be discriminated and back in the day when the war was much more severe i remember one day um there's been there was cannons that was firing from one end to the near the village that we were at and my mom literally grabbed me and went into this bunker they call it back in the day and and just hid um, herself, myself, my grandma took my sister, and we were just hiding from not getting uh, fired, you know, not losing our lives. And I remember, like, you know, I don't remember the exact feelings I felt, but I remember the many times my mom would tell me. And this memory resonates with me because it helps me and my family not forget our roots and where we came from. Um, and that everything I have in my life right now is a blessing. Um, I could have lost my life 
during that incident, right? Or my mom could have lost her life, my sister could have, my grandma could have, or whoever was there with us could have, but I we didn't. And I always remember my identity and who I am and where my roots come from. And the second fondest memory is um, back in the day, we didn't have wells, you know, significant wells back in Sri Lanka, depending on where you uh, live. And at the place we were living, we didn't have a big, big well to draw water from. And so there was this, there was this uh, big hole in the ground dug up to build a well. And it was filled up with water. And uh, my, I was about two, my sister was about, she was about one, one and a half, and she crawled and she fell into the hole. And this hole that was dug up to build this well was very, very, very deep. I, I can't even imagine how deep it is. But as soon as she fell, she grabbed onto one of the poles and she was, um, you know, I saw her and I was only two years old. and. A lot of my relatives say, you know, as a child growing up, you're very, very, very skinny and bony. And I remember holding her hand and screaming my mom's help. Like I was screaming like, oh my goodness, amma, amma, which means mom in my language, come. And eventually she came and she took my sister and my sister's life was saved. Um, and this resonates with me because although I was physically very skinny, um, at a young age, I was able to be mentally and emotionally strong. and you know, save my sister's life. And those are two fondest memories of who I am that made me who I am today. Wow. And you, <laughs> you also mentioned in your first point that, you know, there was a lot of wars. Yeah. I mean, and that was your fondest memory because of the closeness that maybe you had with your family. Is that what connected you? Um, I'm not going to say closeness with my family, but closeness with my identity um, till this day you know I always reflect back and I think of my people and what Tamil people are facing in Sri Lanka what Tamil people have faced in Sri Lanka and um, the intergenerational traumas and the the fight for equality and justice and you know my mom saving me and running into this bunker is the fondest memory like I said because it helps me remember why we were doing that. It helps me remember why my mom was saving me. Those are my roots. Those that's where I was born. That's my land and that's my identity. Like I can't I cannot take that out of my identity, you know, and like I said, it helps me reflect on my life nowadays and say like, Dang girl, like you have X, Y and Z in your life and you should be grateful and you shouldn't complain because you could have died in that war. Mhm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so what are some of the values that your parents instilled in you that you would carry with you for the rest of your life? Okay, so I'm going to say that my parents instilled in my siblings and I have many, 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 many values. But there's two values that they instilled in me and my siblings too. But when it comes to me, these two really reflect and I always, I, I, I think I will like definitely help put these values or try and help my children be raised with these values. And the first value is my dad, he always says, literally he always says, experience is a great master. And he says that everything you do in life and you learn from it, they're not bad experiences. We In society, we like to say, oh, this is a bad experience because this is not socially accepted. And this is a good experience because this is socially accepted. But my dad always says, you know, 
whether you do something and it turns out to be good or bad, you learn from it. And that's what counts the most. And unlike a typical Tamil Sri Lankan family, or may I say, a brown family, my dad, he always, and I'm not joking here, he always, at least once a month, he has a family meeting where we all gather around the table and, oh my goodness, he says it's going to be five minutes. I tell you, it's five minutes, only five minutes. But then this will go on for an hour. But it it shows that my dad is very charismatic, and he always says it's okay. You know, when I do something bad and I come, or if I if something negative happens, he says, you know what? Don't dwell on it. It happened. It happened. But what did you learn from it? And he always makes me reflect on it, and he always asks me those questions like, okay, what are you going to do moving forward? And I think. This is not something that happens in a typical brown family because parents there's the there's not the norm of parents being that open with their children and the fact that he always emphasizes experience as a great master helps me know that it doesn't pressurize me it helps me know that even though it, something can turn into a bad experience I'm going to learn something from it I'm not going to hold that on me and carry that for the rest of my life and my mom one thing she always has instilled in me is that do whatever makes you comfortable as long as it doesn't bite your back and she is a type of woman who is independent and strong herself and she listens to what i have to say you know she lets me voice out my opinion and she says you know what if that's how you feel and that's what's making you comfortable or un- then do it if that's what's making you uncomfortable then don't do it you know and she always encourages me to pray and ask god that if this is the decision he wants me to take or what god has for me in that Uh, religious sense so these are two great values that my parents instilled wow your family sounds very close very tight-knit very supportive and very loving and nurturing thank you they are they are definitely i was like whoa I mean, I'm not going to lie, like, let's be honest here, there are days where my mom will take out the curry spoon and be like, what did you do? And, you know, like, ready to whip me, but I mean, she doesn't do it anymore, I mean, when I was younger. Um, And there are days where my dad will shake his head and be like, you're such a troubled child, oh my goodness. Uh, But the majority of the time, they're very supportive and very understanding. Well, it sounds like you keep them on their feet and entertained. So they're, they're going <laughs> yeah, to miss that. I try to, I know. Even today, my mom was like, oh, the world can't. I was saying something along the lines of like, imagine there's two, two exact me's. And she's like, I can't even handle, the world can't even handle one of you. You want another one? No, 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 no. The world is enough with one Vicky. Like, okay. <laughs> Very loving to say. Of course. So has anyone shared... Um, Sorry, has anyone shared their perception of who they think you are? How did you handle it? And do you feel it is true? Okay, so the biggest perception that people have of me when either they meet me or they come and meet my family um, is the fact that they think I'm a princess. And I'm not joking you, someone said to me once, you sleep on money. And I really took that offensive, um, whereas normally I feel like girls, when they hear themselves to be known as a princess, would take it as a, a great thing. I, I kind of took it offensive um, because my parents, they're hard workers and they're very determined. And when 
my family and I, we immigrated to Canada. My dad had to work multiple jobs and he was continuing schooling as well. So he was juggling schooling and uh, trying to get his credits converted here and uh, get into a nursing program while doing three jobs and have absolutely no sleep. And my mom, even though she was a housewife, she was also um, bringing income into the house and they both struggled with the language. English was not their first language. They both had many embarrassments, um, you know, but my, by God's grace, my family and I, we're very stable now, you know, and a lot of people think that just because, you know, I'm stable now, or just because, for example, um, there's more than one vehicle in my family that she's a princess what does she need to worry about she has she's living with her parents you know she if she has a financial struggle her parents got her back and that's not true you know even though i may be living with my parents my siblings and i we still have the responsibility of taking care of ourselves taking care of all of our um you know own individual finances and and my parents you know they let us do that because they want us to know how it feels to handle money and how we should learn to handle money and another thing is like another perception is like people thought of me and judge me from the way I dress I'm a very simple and natural person you know I don't I dress when I need to dress all out I go all fancy and all that and then when I need to like dress like normally I dress normally you know I don't I'm not I'm not that type of person who wake up at 6 a.m. just to do my hair and makeup you know for absolutely somewhere I'm going for just an hour you know like I it depends on the place and time and so because I'm like that people assume that you know I I'm not grateful for what I have she's not taking advantage on what she has and that's not true I know where to take advantage and I guess a person you should know from the things you have in life which things you should take advantage of and which things you should just genuinely be grateful of you know and yeah wow no i definitely understand i always found it weird that you know people have this perception of people or other people and then compared to reality it's it's not the same no absolutely not and i think that's because like I mentioned, because of social norms in society, there's a box that's created by society that as this type of a female or this type of person, you have to be in this category. As this person from this specific race, you have to be in this category. If you have this amount of education, you have to be in that category. And you know, because of this whole category and these perceptions, people just automatically box other people into whatever they think is right without knowing their history or their life or coming to know who they really are, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand completely. So, um, do you feel that your community has exhibit um, exhibited ch- shame of their culture, uh, their language, and their background? Um... I would like to say no, that my culture is the most perfect culture in the world. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know what, in reality, I think not just my culture, I think genuinely every culture has their ups and downs and things that they take as shame or things that they perceive to be shame. And I think one of the biggest things in my culture is gender roles. Um, and, you know, they say the man is the breadwinner, the man is the the one who can speak up, the man is the one who can uh, 
do whatever he wants and not be questioned versus the woman she's supposed to be submissive obedient to the elder men or elder people in her amongst her life um, she doesn't need to work she just needs to stay home and cook and clean all day you know and I, I think back in the day when we look at Sri Lanka back in the day and not only Sri Lanka any anywhere in the world mankind when first was evolved you know men genetically and physically were the ones who were supposed to be, who were able to be the breadwinner men genuinely were able to be the breadwinners um and women they were the ones who who conceive and you know pass on the generation and i think it's okay when we look at it that way but when it comes to reality nowadays i think it's i think both men and women should be able to cook and clean both men and women should be able to bring equal income into the house both men and women should be equally educated or should be equally entitled to obtain education right and i think in my culture when we take that aspect out and you start implementing oh you're a girl you can't do this or you're a guy he can do this he can't do this it just baffles me and it, i find it very shamed that some people still do it and the culture emphasizes it when in reality men and women can equally do a lot of the same things i'm mm -hmm. not saying every single thing but a lot of the same things and once my aunt actually got mad at me because my male cousin he served food for me instead of me serving food for him and that was a big you know clash because i'm the female here i'm the one who's supposed to serve food oh wow that, that, that is something that i'm just very like i won't say i'm against it but um you know i'm not someone who is who's like who's very big on those things you know yeah um, well, yeah i completely understand um is your faith connected to your family and upbringing and why yes orchid my faith is connected to my family um my family we had to go through a lot in life you know a lot of struggles a lot of shame a lot of betrayals in order for us to find God in order for us to know who Jesus is you know and it, if it wasn't for God I don't know and I can't imagine where my my life or my family's life would have been today and it was only you know the Lord was able to put the broken pieces of my family back together and I, like you know when I say this I'm not a perfect person and no one in my family is a perfect person perfect people you know and no one is perfect but we are perfect in God's sight and I I really believe that when my family when we're all individually or as a family when we're down we we pray together we encourage each other with the love of God and you know and share what God has done for us and past years and yeah and it wasn't so resonated with me in my upbringing at the beginning but eventually as i was growing you know it started to become a big factor in my family yeah that's beautiful and yeah. what what personally encouraged you to choose to seek the lord yeah for sure so as a child growing up and like i mentioned before the gender roles and gender norms uh concept in my culture you know despite the characteristics of a female 
there's the physical aspect of how a female should be, right? In society, we say females should be fairly skinny, with nice breasts, a nice, nice butt, um, fair skin, long hair. And <laughs> trust me, as a child growing up, I was a very chunky and chubby child. I didn't have those hips. I, I didn't have those boobs. I, my, I no way, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I was ashamed. I was body shamed for that. I was put down a lot for that. I was bullied for that you know and that really took a toll on me any almost anywhere I went a lot of the times the question wasn't like how are you how's school going was oh my gosh how how are you this big or you're too big for your age you know you should not eat a lot and the fact that my family we when we first immigrated to Canada my parents with the best abilities they had they were providing and raising my siblings and I but of course, we weren't rich. We weren't, like my friend said, sleeping on money, and we're still not. But I'm saying, you know, back in the day, I didn't have the fancy, fanciest clothes or fanciest shoes, trendiest lifestyle, no. And because of that, it was very hard for me to make friends. It was very hard for me to be able to, you know, talk in society. And I felt like no one was there for me. And during those times, I feel alone, and I... I didn't feel like anyone was there and I remember my mom telling me as a child you know whatever you go through in life just call on the Lord and he will be there and a lot of the times when I would not have friends at school or not have anyone to play with on the playground or be bullied I, I or, or feel like I'm in a struggling situation I literally just talk to God and I say God help me or you know I didn't know how to pray but I, I with my own knowledge or think on thinking I thought I'm talking to God and every time I would do that I felt like God was there I felt like someone was there with me I, I didn't feel left alone I, I felt like I can conquer the world and in Psalms 139 verse 14 it says I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful I know that full well you know it took me a long time by God's help to understand that I'm perfect the way he made me he didn't make any mistakes in me so yeah that's where I come from and my faith wow (laughs) you seem very rooted very rooted in your faith and you know very connected to your identity you just sound very whole as a human being yeah i mean like i said i think i think i can seem like that and yes that is very true i think by the gods by god's grace i'm i i am where i am today but no i was not whole i i had a lot of healing on my part to do i had i went through so many things individually that you know i had to work on myself you know, I think in society we would love to portray ourselves and or make us seem like we're whole and we're perfect, but not that's not the reality. You know, everyone has their own story and everyone has their battles that they're dealing with. But it's only God who can help and mend every single person to be the person who they truly need to be. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. you're right. So, how many years have you personally dedicated to your individual journey with God? Do you feel that the amount of years that individuals dedicate to the Lord makes them better? Or does the years, do they really matter? Yeah, that's a very great uh, question, Orchid. Um, as a child, you know, growing up, I've always been exposed to church and, you know, 
worship songs and the sermon. But it wasn't until I believe around the age of 11 when um, my family and I regularly started going to church. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't really remember, you know, how I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. But I do remember that I felt like, you know, I'm a child of God. And I can say like, you know, it's been more than 10 years since I decided to follow Jesus and since I decided to get involved in ministry and, you know, serving God. And like I said before, I am not perfect. I do do mistakes too. Um, but it's been a long time. And um, like you said, I'm very, by God's grace, I'm very strong in my faith. But to be honest, I do not think the amount of years a person dedicates to serving God or to be with the Lord really matters, you know. In in society, along with a lot of other things, we like to face Christianity as a religion. And yes, I know what it means when someone says Christianity is a religion. I guess, really, it, when it comes to writing down on books, yes, it could be portrayed as a religion. But really, it's a relationship you have with God, you know. Just like any other relationship, whether you have with your mom, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your dad, your sister, brother, your friend, your co-worker. And just like any other relationship requires good communication, trustworthiness, um, no doubt. Any any of those characteristics also go along with God, you know. They, we sing in church, I'm a friend of God. And what does it really mean to be a friend of God? You know, when you say you're a friend of someone, though you have friendship characteristics you know you trust each other you love each other you go out of your way for each other and yeah with God it may not be easy because uh, there's many sacrifices you may have to make and battles you have to go through but with his grace it's possible and in the Bible in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 it says the first part of it, it says you will seek me and find me you know when you seek God and like I said, religion may sound like you have to make a lot of, you know, do a lot of things like pray a certain way, bow a certain way. God really looks at your heart and who you are as an individual. You know, if God can hear me as a five-year-old praying or saying, God help me, I'm sure he will hear you too. So it really doesn't matter how many years it is. It really depends on your relationship, on how you are with God and where, you know, you want to go and and how you are as a person and yeah. God looks at your heart. Yeah. yeah, I understand that completely. I had to ask that question because I remember having this conversation with somebody once um, back in the day where, you know, I would meet certain Christians and I remember talking to somebody once and this person was just bragging about, you know, the seven years that they've been following the Lord and they dedicated themselves to the Lord. But then we would have conversations where you know he didn't he didn't really seem to be holy spirit driven okay. and after years especially 7 years of dedicating yourself to the lord i would think that certain christians would understand that when jesus sacrificed himself for us he blessed us with gifts or with a gift and the gift was the Holy Spirit. And yeah. so especially in our time now, it's not exactly the same as in the Bible. 
And so we need to be Holy Spirit led. So when you're quoting the Bible or if you are, you know, using examples from the Bible, you will be able to interpret it in your time. And so we would have certain discussions and it just seemed that the person was completely blocked. So after seven years, I thought maybe the person would have, would have, you know, reached a certain plateau of understanding of the Holy Spirit and all the aspects that comes with being one with God. And so when I didn't see that time and time again, I realized that it really did not matter how many years you dedicate to the Lord. No, you're completely right in that aspect, Orchid. Um, you know, someone can accept Christ into their life or decide to follow God and serve the Lord. And, you know, they may be doing it for only a month or they may be doing it for you know if we're talking about a timeline for a year or something but the way they talk to God or the way they are as a person may have completely transformed you know the Bible says when you belong to God you are a new creation and the old stuff have passed away which doesn't mean you know your old hair and your old old skin is now shredded no it means like the old habits the bad habits i used to have are have have slowly started to disappear from your life because god is transforming you and giving you the uh the gifts that he has for you giving you this uh, fruits of the spirit you know and transforming you so it really like i said really matters because god looks at the heart man looks at your status man look at your face man looks at the way you are right the, god looks at your heart and who you are despite the mistakes you made despite what you have done in the past and he makes you whole mm -hmm. you're completely right so give me your top five list of blessings that you have experienced on your spiritual journey for sure um like i said i i can go on with many many blessings and my list will go on forever like we can sit here talking about my blessings but if you were telling me if you were asking me to say my top five mm -hmm. i think my first one is freedom and salvation and when i say freedom i mean the freedom i have in god you know i a lot of the times growing up as a child I questioned a lot of things around my life, you know, why certain things are this way, why certain things are that way. Like I said, why do certain type of people get privileged? Why do, you know, a lot of whys, you know, and, you know, I come to know as I grow, grew older and come to know God, I, I also came to know that I'm free. I don't have to struggle with so many whys or I don't have to struggle with the mistakes I've done. Yes, I still do mistakes because I am human. I'm not perfect. You know, I, you're born with sin. But I'm free in God. Like, God takes away my sins. I'm free to sing and dance. I'm free to live the life I want to live and the life that God has for me. Um, and when I mean the life I want to live, I know I do not mean, like, I'm free to go and, you know, get all drunk and, you know, not that, like, I mean in the sense that I'm free to, I'm free in him, you know, I, I don't have to be stuck to bondage, I don't have to be stuck to fear or, or being a slave to something. 
mm-hmm. free in God. And the second blessing is my parents. My parents are, like I said, they're hard workers. They're very determined. They they've really worked hard to set a foundation for my siblings and I. And they're great parents. Not mind you, I know there are times in my life and still today that we'll have arguments and we'll have our misunderstandings like a normal daughter and dad or not daughter and mom but they really pushed me to be the person I am today and they 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 encouraged me to be independent one of the strongest things that my parents have instilled in me and my sister I'm just saying me and my sister because we're the females is that it you know study 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 and why so you don't have to depend on a man because they're so used to seeing women be abused and sabotaged and not live their life because they have to be dependent on a male and i'm not saying being that way is a wrong thing but for them they really wanted us to be independent and, and strong as females and i i cannot thank them enough for ha- giving us that opportunity the third would be third blessing is my country canada i i'm very grateful and thankful to god that i'm in a nation like this know where I have access to so many opportunities where even though I'm, I can struggle there are ways to and resources and programs in place that I can help myself or have some type of aid even if you come as someone who has absolutely nothing in this country it's a very blessed country to be in to be able to start a good basic well lifestyle my fourth blessing is education Nelson Mandela once said Education is so powerful. He said something along the lines. I don't remember the exact quote, but something along the lines that education is very powerful, that it can change the world, right? And being a female, a colored female, to be able to obtain education, university level education, is God's grace. And, and, you know, being the first person in my intimate family to obtain a degree is God's grace. And my fifth blessing, access to food, good water, good shelter, Good sleep, not having to fear of a cannon going over my head or my roof when I sleep at night. Those are blessings. Yes, I understand. The sleep part, I connected with 100%. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So what has kept you encouraged on your journey to be more steadfast and dedicated to God? Okay, so my, well... I love a lot of Bible verses, but I think one Bible verse that always, you know, is said in church is Psalms 34 verse 8, and it says, taste, the first part of it, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good, you know, and in one of the sermons my pastor was preaching one day, he referred to that verse as like, you know, think of it like, think of some, the analogy of a product or something you eat. For the first time or something you try once you like it once you see the benefits once you see the happiness joy the peace you get from it i like you're not gonna switch you're not gonna go back you know and i think god transforming my life and taking me from the pit and putting me to this beautiful palace that he has created for me like it really makes me think like only it was possible through him you know and I, like I said, even though I still have, I still face struggles as a normal human being. I still face battles, but I know that God is in those midst, and God will definitely help me through. So, yeah, those are things that help me to stick to God. Mm-hmm. All right. 
So has anything that you have encountered on your journey have ever made you question your dedication to the Lord? Yes, um, it has. There's this one particular situation that happened in my life. And unfortunately, I do not want to go into too much detail. But during this situation, I felt like God wasn't there. I felt like I've questioned, I questioned, I started to question God, like, you know, I'm going through this, I'm facing this, I'm facing this big struggle, I'm facing this big mountain, where are you? And I could literally not feel, like, I could not feel like God was there with me, you know? I In this situation, in this situation, Orchid, I was trying to escape the situation day and night, I was trying to find ways to get out of it, and I felt trapped, I felt buried, I felt like... I was locked in some place or something like I didn't I couldn't get out get myself out of it and I I was very affected mentally emotionally I I felt very hard like my heart was very heavy you know and I oh my gosh like I cannot really cannot imagine I, I just don't want to go back and imagine the way I was during that time because it was very bad and I remember one day specifically, and mind you, all this time I could, I like I said, I, did, I felt like God abandoned me. And one time I remember sitting in my room and I was just bawling my eyes out like Niagara Falls, <laughs> and how the falls never stop. I was bawling <laughs> my eyes off and crying and being like, literally, I I don't remember everything I felt, but I remember saying how I wanted to get out of this situation, and I had very little power in me and I took my Bible and I just turned it to a passage and it was Psalms and in the passage it said along the lines that God will not withhold any good thing from you and he has good things for you that's what the verse was saying and it, it was meaning and I felt that moment I felt like hope I felt like no God is still with me and he will get me through it and even after God got me out of this situation I was having battles and I was having you know so many effects and it was still I was battling a lot of things in my personal life because of this situation that occurred and even through those battles God was still reminding me like no no I have good things for you don't worry about what's going on right now so yeah I did feel God not there many times during that situation wow and what brought you back to God that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what brought me back to God was the situation. I, you know, a lot of times we like to say or, or you know, question God and be like, why did you allow this in my life? Why are you doing this to me? And make it all dramatic and a next, a next level, I don't know, Bollywood scene or something. But in reality... <laughs> God gives us a choice and when we make the wrong decisions we can't blame everything on God right so I would I made a, a wrong decision and I got myself into a situation um, that I re- that you know I didn't I, I realized I didn't want to be in and it was that situation that was driving me wanting to go back to God because I know I knew that if I go back to God and that God will and always has something better for me than what I could ever imagine and plan for myself. And so that was driving me to 
go back to God. All right. Thank you for sharing that. So I know you've mentioned a few verses no um, during this uh, podcast episode, mm-hmm. but which book or verse in the Bible do you connect with and why? Okay, so I connect with a lot of verses in the Bible. So the first verse I connect with is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans of welfare and not comedy, for a future and hope. And this verse is one of the verses that I used to like not like hearing in church. I used to stand there, and if I would pray about something, this is the verse that would pop up in the sermon. And I used to sit there like, oh, why? Because I used to be like, I knew better than God type of deal, you know? Like, oh, I don't want your plans, God. I know what I want for my life. I don't want to hear what you have to say because I know what I want. And I'm a very, like, um, go-getting, like, how do I phrase this? I'm a very go-getter. Like, you know, when I'm very determined. So if I fix my mind to something, I really work hard towards it. So I used to be like, I used to counsel God and be like, yeah, I know what I want for my life. You, you don't, I'm sure you don't have anything better. But little did I know that through life experiences that I would prefer God's plans over mine. And the second verse is I found in First Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Anyone look down on you because you are young. And a lot of the times there's that norm that, oh, you're just young. And that do a lot of things. You don't have enough experiences. You're not capable. But with God, all things are possible. And he does not not look at your age. Like I said, he looks at your heart. So that really resonates with me and helps me, you know, enjoy my youth. And no matter if I'm, even if I'm young, I can still do things through God. Okay. I think my favorite book in the Bible is Daniel. That was first when I first started uh-huh. reading the Bible. Why so? Sorry? I said, why so? Why? <laughs> well, um, I just appreciated his struggle and how he fought. He was so mm-hmm. steadfast and so dedicated to spending time with the Lord, even when, you know, his king or the person that has authority over him and gave him a home and you know gave him clothes on his back and food on his table told him that you know he couldn't do you know, he couldn't worship the lord and pray anymore he still continued to do it privately and this man prayed five times a day i can i mean mm-hmm. i can find time once a day to pray <laughs> but five times a day and he was still like even when he was thrown in jail after the you know the king's wife um, lied about them having an affair and um, because he had rejected her um, so she made up the lie and they threw him in jail and he sat there and he just meditated and prayed and you know worshipped the whole time until you know he was freed and God just brought him back to, to where he blessed him and it was just such a beautiful story but most of all, I was just so fascinated with the strength that Daniel had to fight against what everyone else around him was saying and trying to make him to make him reject his his faith, reject God um, to serve them and worship them. 
and um, he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. He still made that time. So Daniel, yeah. the book of Daniel was my favorite. In the beginning, when I first started reading the Bible, it was it was Luke that I really liked. Yeah. Um, but at the end, you know, since I've read the Bible maybe like three to four times now, I felt that Daniel was the one that really connected, I really connected with. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you mean. I know what, where you're coming from. And yes, I, I admire the book of Daniel as well, just like you said, for his steadfast. And even when Shatrach, Abednego, um, Shatrach, Meshach, and Abednego was put in the fire, you know, they, they were still strong. They did not become afraid of their situation and let go of God. And yeah. I think that's something that all, a lot of Christians, we struggle with. Yeah, I do, I think I would like break down and ball and hope that my tears will wash away all the fire. <laughs> but but uh, I would not have the, that strength. I was like, I don't know what you know, but I want to know what you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about spiritual gifts. Yeah. Um, so spiritual gifts aren't specific skills or talents. They are spiritual passion or an urge leading to an action. So the question is for yeah. you, uh, what are some of your spiritual gifts? Do you have any before you you dedicated your life to, to God or did you find that you developed them after you chose to seek the Lord? And some uh, of the list of spiritual gifts are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpreting or interpretation of tongues. Right. Um, yeah, like with me, I always have felt, so before I accepted the Lord and before I started my walk with God, I always felt like I had the gift of discernment um no i don't think as a child or before i knew too much about this knew how to practice it or ask god for it i probably didn't know that it was the gift of discernment because i know as a child um and and even growing up i would be able to feel the sense of people meaning like let's say i go into a room of co-workers or let's say I'm at a party or let's say I bump into someone I could feel their energy and you know how nowadays we say yeah they're not vibing with me or that's not my energy they don't have the same energy that's what I'm talking about like I can feel that person's energy towards me or whoever I'm with I can feel that whether they're coming at me with a good intention or bad intention I can like for some reason as you know growing up as a child I, I was able to feel that and I used to think like oh maybe it's like a sixth sense I have or something right and then later on in life I come to know that it's really the gift of God that he's giving me discernment and he's giving me the ability to discern how the people are around me and who should I really associate myself with who should I let into my life and I think that's I think you know all the gifts are, are great and I think it's, it's a blessing when God gives you a specific type of gift. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's what, that's what the type of gift we have, discernment. I mean, seek 
to develop other gifts. But I think discernment is something that is crucial. Mm-hmm. Before they even tell me that they're playing. Yeah, I do too. I, I think that discernment has is one of the most powerful gifts, in my opinion. Um, what kind, like, what, which one of these gifts do you feel you developed during the journey or right now? Do you feel like it's just discernment? So during my journey, I developed, uh, by God's grace, the gift of tongues and Tongues are, you know, in the Bible it says there are mysteries spoken between you and God. And I've developed the interpretation of tongues. So, you know, by God's grace, I can I can interpret what I'm saying. Because when it comes to the interpretation of tongues, there's two interpretations. One, you can interpret when someone else is speaking in tongues. You can interpret what they're saying. And there's one where you can interpret what you're saying, right? So I think that's something that I developed um, and even the gift of discernment like I said maybe I wasn't able to identify that's the gift of discernment but once I did or once I started feeling like this gift I was able to always practice it and when I mean practice it you know not like I wouldn't get up in the morning and pray for five hours but I mean like I, I always start my, one of the prayers I say in the morning or one of the things I ask God is God please fill me with discernment stake you know i i need to know who i'm around or what type of energy i'm around because i really like i it, it, it matters to me a lot and things i've been through as a child i'm very careful on who i associate with mm-hmm. i'm a person too <laughs> <laughs> yes i completely understand i do kind of connect with what you're saying yeah. because i know that before yeah. um seeking my journey with the lord I had intuition and, you know, if I felt that something uh, was wrong, I would, you know, stay away. Or if I met someone where their energy or the vibes that they were giving me weren't right, I would back away. Mm -hmm. It came to a point, you know, as as I moved forward in my journey with, with God, that I could also hear the lie Everyone else heard truth in what the person was saying, but I could actually hear the lie. So discernment has literally been my best friend. And I feel that if out of all of the spiritual gifts that I just listed, discernment is something that I would hold on to very tightly. (laughs) I know what you mean, because nowadays, girl, it's so hard to trust who is who like anyone can lie about absolutely anything and they could be lying for weeks months figure it out yeah I think, you know that gift really helps question what who that person may be or what what who you're associating yourself with yes yes and i also find that discernment helps you to let go and also helps you to discern when to mm-hmm. hold on it's so helpful in every aspect of your entire life. It's mm-hmm. so yeah. it's just one of one of the best gifts. I know that wisdom would should have been something that I would I would, you know, was seeking, but I feel with discernment comes wisdom as well. Make it they're almost intertwined. And when I did read the Bible and you had Solomon, who was a very wise man, when I was reading his book unfortunately i didn't find him very wise 
<laughs> so I saw a flaw in, in wisdom, um, in a sense. And so I preferred discernment because I really felt that what Solomon needed the most with, with his wisdom was discernment. So, yes. Mm-hmm. So what are other spiritual gifts that you would like to develop in the next phase of your journey? That's a good question. Since you mentioned wisdom, something I do, you know, I pray and ask God, you know, God, please give me wisdom, you know, because I think, like you said, I think wisdom, you know, is not just how smart you are or how intelligent you are. No, it's it's and it's a different type of understanding that only God can give. And that you will be able to understand certain things in your life or comprehend some things. You will be able to know how to function in certain things, you know. A lot of the times, I feel like um, women are looked down upon for certain male-oriented characteristics like financing or, for example, working out or, I don't know something small as being able to screw a nail onto the wall you know and i'm not saying wisdom is like it's gonna let you master in these things it will but my analogy is the fact that wisdom will cause you or help you to understand how to do what which way when to do it and sometimes even who that help for you know because that's a no- type of knowledge and understanding that's beyond your own control because it's a spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. So I, that's something I, I, I always ask God for. Um, and even in the Bible, wisdom is mentioned numerous times and how um, in uh, Proverbs one twenty, it says, Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. You know, and it emphasizes that ask for wisdom, ask God for wisdom. And trust me, like, I about the way I function in certain things without wisdom versus with wisdom, there's a difference. And the difference is significant that I would be like, damn, like, I need wisdom in order to do certain things a certain way. Yes, I completely understand. I think for me, um, the other spiritual gifts that I would like to develop is um, healing and prophecy. One of the reasons why I chose healing and prophecies is because I I felt that during a time that I was truly, truly dedicated to God, um, I felt that I was developing the skill of, of healing and I did find myself prophesizing, but in, at, the, at that time, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. It just came naturally. But because I did not mm-hmm. recognize it and I did not take the time to nurture those spiritual gifts, um, I can't say I know how to access them as easily. I think at some point I realized that I had the ability to change atmospheres. And so that I considered a part of healing. And to see that I had that ability to walk into a room and just change an atmosphere um, and change the vibes and change the energy for some reason. I was like, I've never thought you could manipulate energy. I never thought you can shift a vibe in any way. 
And then I just did it out of nowhere. And I could not for the life of me. I was like, what just happened? And how did I do that? (laughs) And I knew it came from me. (laughs) So I had to pause and I was like, no, that didn't just happen. And I tried it again another week and I went, holy shit, I actually did. (laughs) So, so yeah, so I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I I think that's, you know, in the future, that's, these are the two things that I would have liked to nurture a little bit more and, Mm -hmm. um, see where it goes and how it develops so are yeah are there christian leaders that you listen to and why did you choose them uh yeah orchid there are how do i phrase this there are two christian leaders that i listen to i'm not gonna lie i don't listen to them every single day but when i do come across their videos whether that be through social media or um on the tv or something i do not hesitate to sit down and listen to however long it is. One is, um, I believe she is a pastor. Her name is Joyce Meyer. Meyer. She does amazing talks, you know. She talks about the reality of life and really connects God's word with that and teaches how you can overcome a lot of things and face and live a lifestyle according to God's word and pleasing God. and. The second person is, I believe he is also a pastor. His name is Stephen Fortick. And also, again, like I, if I come across his videos, oh man, I can listen to them for hours. And I really like how he breaks down aspects of life, things that humans, things that people struggle with, things that people want, and really align it with God's word and what God really wants for us or what God is saying in his word and breaks you know the norms of society and there's another channel that i listen to they are called redefine tv and their slogan goes along the lines or what they say is like uh, redefining relationships righteously and they mainly focus on relationships um, whether that be christian relationships or if you're in a you know, non-Christian relationship, and it's a pastor, and I believe his wife, I'm not sure if his wife is a pastor as well, but I believe he's a pastor and his wife that talk about relationships and aspects of relationships, aspects of being single, and and how you can take that and be able to still be holy in front of God and um, have a really great relationship. So these are all people that I listen to and really try and of what they're saying and apply it to my life as well Mm -hmm. i understand completely mine is td jakes i just started getting yes i've heard of him oh my god every single time i listen to him everything that he says i connect to you have to just stop sit and listen i've actually started getting into his daughter sarah jakes Roberts, Sarah Jakes Roberts. I think her husband's name is Roberts. Um, But I really like her as well. And I think she has a podcast series that I haven't really had the time to sit down and listen to. But I really like what she has to share. And I just like her testimony and her story. So in the beginning, it was Joyce Myers um, that I was, Mm -hmm. you know, reading all her books. I have a few of her books right now with me. And then it just went right back to td jakes every single time (laughs) so i just stuck i just stuck with them (laughs) 
Um, so yeah. n- now I would like to transition to your passion in life. So what are you studying in school and why did you decide to seek that career? For sure. In school, I'm actually going to be graduating um, in April. So this is my last semester of my undergraduate studies. Congratulations. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but unfortunately, due to this pandemic, I'm not going to be having graduation for now. Hopefully, they'll, I'm sure the university, as they said, they will, once um, public health permits, they're going to allow us to have a graduation. But I am studying conflict studies and human rights. So my degree is honors, bachelors in social sciences in conflict studies and human rights. So basically my degree, um, we talk about law, we talk about international relations, we talk about global affairs, we talk about a lot of human rights, a lot of democracy, peacekeeping, um, a lot of the reasons why, even though there's the Universal Declaration of Human Rights or the United Nations, why certain things are not implemented certain ways, why conflicts still occur in society, why nations go to war against nations, you know? We break it down and we tackle all types of um, problems and we really uh, learn on how it's important to emphasize and exercise your human rights and what your basic are. Because a lot of the time, people do not even know what their basic right as a human is. Yes. Why did I choose this career? (laughs) I didn't choose this career. I'm not even joking. I did not choose this program. I did not absolutely apply to this program. So long story short, I, at McMaster University, right after I graduated high school, I went to McMaster University, and that's where I did my first two years of university. And I was in a health studies program, and I was looking at, or I was um, studying the sociological aspect of health. Um, and trying to do a minor in mental health and illness. And at the time, my plan was I'm going to be a counselor. Um, Of course, that didn't work out. And I had to come, um, like my family moved to Ottawa, so I had to come to Ottawa as well. Um, And so at the time, I was trying to apply to Ottawa U and Carleton, and I was applying to programs that were related to what I was initially doing, health studies. And... You know, Ottawa U and Carlton didn't have the exact program, so I applied to like programs like women's studies and gender studies. Um, I can't remember the other programs I applied for. Oh, sociology, you know. And after I applied, I my that year in 2018 I applied, and that year after university, it was like July when my um, family decided to go on this long vacation, and. I didn't hear back from Ottawa U or Carleton throughout the whole month, you know. I applied in April, which was already late, but I still applied. And May, June passes by, I didn't hear from them. July passes by, I didn't hear from them. August comes, I didn't hear from them until the 21st of August, in which Ottawa U sends me an email. And they didn't give me a response to the programs I applied for, but they were like, hey, we have this program called Conflict Studies and Human Rights you know, honors, bachelor's, social sciences, and conflict studies and human rights, do you want this program? We're offering it as an, as an alternative offer. And I sit there looking like, bro, like I don't even watch the news properly. I have absolutely not a lot of interest in politics. And I do not want to get myself involved in stuff like that. And you're telling me to come into a program that really t- t- talks about all these things. 
Oh my goodness. And I absolutely did not have any, like, very little choice at the time I had. I absolutely had no to, like, very little choice, right? So I was thinking either I take this program and try and get myself adapted to it and stick it through, or I just say no and reapply the following semester. But what happened was, as I was thinking that, and I was, like, going through my Instagram, as I was thinking all that, and I come across a verse, and it said, a Bible verse, and it said, go to the strength of the Lord. And it spoke to me where I felt like God was saying, like, you know, go, just take this program, you know. It blindly trust me, and I was like, okay, fine. I am going to take this program, even though I don't want to. And I'm telling you, Orchid, I do not regret it at all. I absolutely love my program. I am so grateful that I have been in this program and I'm graduating with this degree. Because program, it really changed who I am as a person and the way I see life and minority groups or discriminated groups and human rights. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. I didn't even yeah. know that's what you were interested in, to be perfectly honest. So I thank you for giving me a pleasant surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been giving you a few surprises, but I think it's okay. Yeah, no, it's a great thing. I Before, in the past, I, I used to just hate surprises. Now, I don't mind. It just makes me feel okay. like I'm living. <laughs> so how do you yeah. envision yourself contributing to the community with this career? Um, everything starts with a dream. So what's your vision? So my vision for me, and this is a, this is something I've had in me before even entering this degree is I've always wanted to work with people from minority groups, discriminated group, marginal, marginalized groups, uh, strongly and specifically with women who are single mothers or who are teenagers and who are mothers, women who have been through rape or sexual assault. Yes, I know those are very heavy topics and I'm not gonna lie, there are times when I will learn about these topics, whether that be in a class or whether that be something I'm watching, a documentary, and it's it's a very big, heavy topic to comprehend and understand and take, it, it does take a toll on a, a lot of aspects of your life sometimes, right? But I really want to help such people because I know how it feels to not know or not be able to exercise the human rights or the right and privilege you have for yourself as an individual. And if I can help, you know, these type of people, that I think that would be really worth what I invested my degree into. Um, whether that be helping them, you know through a specific, working with a specific organization or continuing my studies and doing upper level studies. Um, that That's all, you know, a, some, another topic, but that would be my dream, ambition. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that. Um, no problem. Do you feel that there is a lot of open doors in that field once you graduate from school? What is your plan? I feel like with this degree, first of all, um, it's it's a degree that only a small number of uh, students graduate with. A lot of people come into this degree thinking, and I only recently found this out too, you know, thinking that it's it's a very easy degree. But there's a lot, there's a high percentage of dropout rates after the first year of university with this degree and only a small percentage of graduates graduate with this degree because 
like I said, it, we learn about a lot of things that emotionally, mentally triggers people. It brings back memories. It, it, at the same time, what it, it does help you become strong mentally, emotionally, but it can really trigger you. So it really does depend on what you want to do with this degree as a person. For me, I feel like this degree helped me to be emotionally strong, um, especially when dealing with sensitive topics. Um, and so I really hope with this degree that I can really build something for the upcoming generations, you know, and my genuine goal in life is to be happy. So if I can contribute, like I said, helping minority groups or helping people with their rights or standing up for them, you know, that really brings me happiness. And that's where I see myself. And I feel like you have to really love what you're doing with this degree, if you are in this degree and field, to be working in this field or to be gaining opportunity. Okay. So while you are in school, um, you have a hobby. What is it and what motivated you to do this? <laughs> so my hobby is cooking. I love, and when I mean love, like, <laughs> I'm serious. I literally love. I can be so tired from, I don't know, ha- having five exams back to back, a three-day, 12-hour shift each day, but still, you know, I'd be probably be tired to do everything else except get up and cook. No, I'd still be able to get up at like five o'clock in the morning with an hour and a half or like 20 minutes of sleep and still be able to cook because that's how much I love cooking. And I admire cooking because, you know, food is something that brings people together, it brings culture together. It, it shapes you the way you are, you know. There are certain foods used throughout society that you only cook for certain occasions or you only make during certain times of the year you know for thanksgiving it's not nor it's not typical that every every sunday we have a turkey dinner no you know it's thanksgiving there's always a turkey or at most a roast chicken uh, for christmas there's you know specific dishes you make for certain cultural festivals or specific types of dishes so it really emphasizes people and unity and makes you really who you are like if you if you have a specific diagnosis it's it's certain foods you have to eat to overcome that you know if you want to gain muscle working out at the gym is not enough there's certain foods you have to eat so these type of concepts and this really motivates me like I know in when my family first immigrated to Canada like we didn't we weren't you know rich or we were not affordable to have we didn't afford to be able to have a lot of um, food that we wanted to and th- that is one aspect that motivated me to be really interested in cooking and my mom oh my goodness Orchid I'm telling you if you ever try my mom's food you will always be at my house I'm telling you she <laughs> is an amazing cook and I'm telling you because my mom like I said she has a big family like a lot of siblings and she has a a lot of sisters-in-law, brothers-in-laws, and a lot of cousins, and even them, they have, I've had relatives tell me, like, your mom's cooking is so good, you know, if all of my aunts and my mom were to cook the same dish, they always say, like, your mom tops them all, and so I really get it from my mom, and even as a child growing up, I remember I'd be, like, six years old, and I would be trying to watch cartoons on the TV, as soon as I come across a food channel, like Food Network, or, um, master chef like i literally would not care about the cartoon episode and sit there and watch the hour episode of them 
whatever dish they're making. And it'd be so fascinating to me. And I would, I remember as a child when my mom's, when my mom would cook, I, I would stand there in the kitchen just looking at the way she cooks and be in awe. And I think it really, those things really built up to be so significant in me. That's why I love cooking. Like I love cooking. Okay. And God really gives me the strength to cook. All right. So what has been your favorite meal to make? Oh, this is such a tough question because I think I love a lot of meals that I make. Um, but it's not, I, I think I would like to answer the question in, the term, in terms of like, it's not really the meal I make, it's what I get from the meal and that is happiness. I get very excited when anyone tries my food or anyone asks me, can you cook for me? And I, I cook for them and they compliment me me or they say how it tastes I get very happy I'm very happy and satisfied that I can use this skill and talent that God has given me to feed someone you know um, and it, that that in itself is is something that's favorite about cooking and I also like the fact that um, I have a mind to open criticism you know I always say to people that whoever's eating my food that you know don't just tell me what you like about it. Tell me what I can improve. Tell me, like, you can openly tell me if there's not enough salt. You can openly tell me if the bread wasn't cooked properly because that helps me improve. And, yeah, that's what makes me happy and that's my favorite part, I guess. All right. Um, so what inspired you about cooking? Um, like I mentioned before, culture, people, how food can really bring people together, you know, like, if you think about it, you know, as simple as, like, a lot of the times when two people are talking to each other and they want to go on a date, what's the first place they choose? A restaurant or somewhere to eat, you know, because it, it that's an environment and that's a type of aspect of life that connects people together you know why why do people really love festivals where there's a lot of food like i don't know like the rib festivals because ribs are good Dundas, the taste of, yeah well i mean <laughs> other than ribs being good it's a food festival right or the taste of danda square or something like that and the right? smell too um, smells so good yeah <laughs> smells so good so yeah and another thing is the fact that it helps me guys not to take food for granted that I've been back home I've been to many places in the world like I won't say world but whenever I go out I see a lot of people who struggle for food you know and here I am being able to have food is a thing that's what inspires me to keep cooking keep giving okay so what has assisted you in your personal growth and do you feel that there's a lot left for you to learn yes I feel like there are things that I can improve on as a person and when it comes to cooking, yes. Um, like I said, you know, I'm not a perfect person. There are times that, you know, I may also need um, areas that I need to improve and need extra assistance. You know, I feel like when in life when you start something, whether that be a business or whether that be excelling in a specific talent or um, something you have, you know, it it does take a lot of time and practice and you have to consistently keep doing it. And I'm the type of person where I really like, 
I really don't care about other people's opinions um, on on how they perceive me and the things I have in my life. Like if someone were to come up and tell me like you should live life this way, trust me, like that go that'll go through one ear and out the other. Like I would not sit down and waste my time listening to that. So I think um, you know having that characteristic yet being able to take criticism um, are things that I would tackle more on and yes areas that I would continue to improve and evolve with okay so where do you see this channel going after you have completed school will you end it or will you continue I'll continue for sure I will keep my channel um I'm someone who really tries to practice philosophy and is trying to speak an open mind um I'm not gonna lie like there are times like as, as everyone else I have my moments where I'll be down and you know not want to do anything but cooking really helps it's like a therapy for me too you know it really helps me change my mood so I will keep it it's it's not something my YouTube channel it's not something I started because I want to become famous and go trending and make a million dollars you know yes it would be nice and um, I'm not saying I, I'm despising that, no, but it's not something I pressurize myself with. Um, if I upload a video and I'm only getting 150 views and 220 likes, I'm really happy with that. At least a lot of 150 people saw that and something about that video helped them continue to watch or, or they'll learn something from that video. If in the future, God willing, that I um, reach a, you know, a thousands of subscribers and I'm making income great for that too you know this is something I want to do and I I put my time and effort into it and I'm not gonna pressure on myself and take that a toll on me so yes it will keep going okay wonderful <laughs> I have tried your food and it was delicious so I hope you never give up on it so oh, thank you so much <laughs> you're welcome where can they find your channel and your social media handles? So my channel is called Her Food Channel, all in one letter. I mean, all in one, you know, all together. It's no spaces. And my Instagram is uh, underscore Her Food Channel. It's the same thing. It's just that there's an underscore at the beginning. And that's where you can find me on social media. All right. And, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast and discussing your faith and your passion. And, um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Orchid, for having me and um, just having this conversation with me. And, you know, I think these are a lot of the stuff we talked about are important topics that we should really, you know, talk about in society and really address it. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And I wish and pray nothing but the best for you. And, you know, your podcast will be trending, man. Trust me. You're a very sweet person. Thank you very much. <laughs> you have a good day. No problem. Alright. You too. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Don't forget to click the follow button under TAO Intentions Podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Podcasts. TOA social media pages are Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession, Instagram and Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. I hope you have a wonderful day.